From Nashville, Tennessee, Southwestern Family of Companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week, we share insights and inspiration for movers and shakers in the world of business. Our goal is to help you increase your self-discipline, overcome procrastination, and help you to take action on all the things that really matter. Creating a high-performance culture. There is a lot that has been written on this topic. There's been a lot of research that is done. We've had several experts come and talk about culture, which is great. And what we have today is not only an expert, but a practitioner. His name is Chuck Runyon, and he is the CEO of Anytime Fitness and um, you know some other brands as well, that he is going to talk about how they have built that culture. Um, it's actually self-esteem brands that it all falls under, and, and, and I don't know if you've heard of waxing the city, um, but they are growing rapidly, and part of how they're doing it is through culture. And it's one thing to learn about the value of culture from people who have researched it. I think it's another to learn about it from somebody who has built it and lived it. And here you're talking about a billion dollar, you know, organization, the thousands of franchisees across the globe. And a when I tell you radical culture, you're going to be blown away by something that you hear, which is one of the very, very common practices of people inside this company, not only their team members, but something that their customers are doing on a regular basis. And then at the end, I'm going to share with you one of my new, very favorite words. It is one word that I think will change your life and change your business. It's going to help you implement and execute what you're about to learn on today's episode. So stick around to make sure you find out that secret magic word, and we'll get started just after this message. This episode is sponsored by Southwestern Coaching. Southwestern Coaching has helped over 12,000 people increase their incomes by over 25% on average. As a successful salesperson, you know the importance of increasing your sales, but sometimes you might just need a little extra push and accountability to meet your goals and grow your business. Southwestern Coaching will help you increase your income through one-on-one sales and leadership coaching tailored specifically to your needs. Together, we will elevate sales. To schedule your free one-on-one business action planning session with a Southwestern Coach, go to www.southwesternconsulting.com forward slash action catalyst. Entrepreneur Magazine called this franchise the number one franchise on the planet in both 2015 and 2016. Uh, Forbes called them one of America's most promising companies, and uh, they have several other accolades from all different uh, media outlets and so forth. And today you're going to hear from the CEO himself. Chuck Runyon is the CEO at Self-Esteem Brands, which is uh, includes Anytime Fitness and also Waxing the City. And he and his business partner, Dave Mortensen, co-founded Anytime Fitness and has just been an incredible, incredible success story. And they got a new book coming out or just came out called Love Work, Inspire a High-Performing Work Culture at the Center of People, Purpose, Profits, and Play. And that sounds like a story we have to learn from and steal some free advice from. So, Chuck, welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you, Rory. It's an honor to, to share our story. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, I, I am honored to, to have you. You and I first met at John DeJulius' Secret Service Summit. 
which yes. was awesome, and, and we're huge fans of uh, Johnny D and the Secret Service Summit. And so um, I guess, first of all, let me just kind of, before we dive into the book, and I do want to kind of talk about the four Ps, I think that's really actionable for people, but like how in the world, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of franchises, there's a lot of gyms, and yep. wasn't Anytime Fitness like the fastest growing gym for like 10 straight years or something? It was, and I want to take people back a little bit to this pre-digital era, right? We, we were launching this in like late 2001, 2002, and in fact, we launched our first Anytime Fitness before the first iPod, so there were no smartphones, oh. there wasn't any Facebook, and so there was, you know, this idea of having a key fob that would open up every gym door in the world, right, was just unheard of. And also, most people didn't think it would work because of lack of uh, service or they might have some safety concerns. And so we really created the category of these type of clubs. They just didn't exist prior to Anytime Fitness. And, you know, I think like most entrepreneurs, they have that story where, you know, people would tell them this idea is not going to work, and, and it was no different for us. I mean, a friend's family industry expert said this idea will never work, and it's always a reminder for any of the listeners out there that, you know, that every idea seems crazy until you prove that it works, and now it suddenly seems pretty common. So, um, but we, you know, we, uh, we stayed steadfast hoping the idea would work. We weren't 100% certain, and uh, we applied ourselves. We created this concept. We launched our first gym in May of 2002 in uh, Cambridge, Minnesota, and then the first couple of years, I mean, we were just scratching and clawing to, to grow this, uh, you know, and, and we started to really reach some uh, some acceleration there in 2005, and then the, it just really took off, and from 2005 really till now, you know, we've been opening you know, back then, 250, now up to 450 clubs a year globally. That's what we'll do this year and in the years to come. And and uh-huh. it's number one, it's a testament to the business model. But then number two, the fitness industry has had tremendous growth too. So we're also riding some of those tailwinds. Yeah. So for people that don't know, I mean, Anytime Fitness, I think, you know, most people kind of get from the name, oh, it's 24 hours. Were, mm-hmm. were there some other, like highlight some of the other unique points? So like what kind of what you're talking about here with the key fob? Yeah, so for a member, right, prior to Anytime Fitness, you'd have to drive a little bit farther to a neighborhood club. And, you know, you could only use it during the hours of, say, 5 a.m. to, like, 10 p.m. or 11 p.m. Uh, and But with Anytime, you know, we brought it closer to your home or work because we're in a typical, you know, strip center that you might find with uh, your drive-through or your dry cleaners, your, your subways, your grocery stores. And so we're very conveniently located. But also you can access our stores 24-7-365. And so you can come in anytime you want. It's they're typically about five to six thousand square feet, so they're a little bit smaller than a big fitness club. Yet, so they create a little bit more comfort and intimacy. Yet, you you get all the programming and equipment you'd find in a big club, and so that mixture of convenience and connectivity and being part of the community, you know, really appeals to our members. So that was from a member perspective very convenient, but from an owner perspective, it was such a simple model because you didn't always have to be there, and the club still operated. So your payroll costs would be lower, you'd have less headache of having to manage so many people in comparison to other franchise opportunities, and, you know, we gave our owners some freedom on offering things like personal training or or yoga or some things they were passionate about, so it really appealed to both our franchisee as a consumer as well as our members as our consumer. And so you you allowed, there's a little bit, this is ironic to me, because as people will learn here, like culture is your thing, like to the point that people are doing tattoos of, I mean, a lot of people doing tattoos 
yeah. of, and of company logo and slogans and stuff. Um, but this is ironic to me. You have such a, such a clear culture, yet you gave franchisees uh, some, some flexibility in terms of what you allowed them to offer. We did. And, you know, that is we're trying to always balance standardization in the franchise so that every club looked and felt the same. But yet we wanted to, like, amplify the community passion and personality of our owners. And that's, by the way, not always easy to do. And when done right, I mean, it, it's it's wonderful for, for the community and for our franchise owners. When it's done wrong, we have to fix those inconsistencies in, in the, you know, the, the experience nationally. But, yeah, I mean, we look, Dave and I as entrepreneurs are always fighting for our franchise owners. And in a typical franchise system, I mean, you get no decision-making whatsoever. You have to run the playbook, you know, absolutely airtight. And, our, you know, because someone signs a check to us, and it's a big part of our life savings, Dave and I want to give them a little bit more autonomy with any time fitness they're going to have in another brand. And so we've always kind of encouraged them to bring a little bit of personality. If there's something they're passionate about locally, whether it's a type of fitness class or, let's say, a charitable cause, they can get behind that to do things locally. And so it doesn't have to be standardized across the country. And, you know, going back to your comments on tattoos, a couple of things people are fascinated by that if you came to our global headquarters here in Minnesota, I think we're the only corporate campus I know of that has a full-time tattoo room here in our corporate headquarters. <laughs> and over the course of the last 15 years, I'm going to guess that we've spent over a half a million dollars on tattoos because we've had over 3,000 people get them, and we either pay for them or reimburse for them. And so the average tattoo is at least 100 to $200. And so someone will send us a photo. They tell us a reason why they're getting this any, you know, running man tattoo and they can personalize it any way they want. And so we collect these stories and it's always about some personal transformation they've made in their life or they've helped someone make, they've empowered someone to live a better life. And so it always comes back to that, you know, that purpose driven um, benefit that we've given someone or given ourselves. And so it's, it's far bigger than just treadmills meet open 24 hours. I mean, this is really about changing lives. Man. I mean, that just boggles my mind. Three, 3,000 tattoos. I mean, that's and, and, nuts. Yeah, it, 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 it's members, it's franchise owners, it's been vendors, it's been employees. At our annual conference now, we have five full-time tattoo artists, and they literally can't keep up at our annual conference. But again, anywhere in the world, and in fact, there's this wonderful club in Concord Township, Ohio, and, and I see this on Instagram, and they, they just are now past 40 of their members have got a tattoo. Of all the clubs in the world, they probably have the most tattooed members. And, you know, they send us the invoice, and we see the stories. And, it, it, you know, it's again, it's so personal. Uh, maybe someone running their first marathon or someone losing 100 pounds or someone overcoming depression. I mean, every answer is different, and every tattoo is a little bit different, has a different meaning. And so, again, we're just proud to be a small part of it, but at the end of the day, we have empowered them to like change the trajectory in their life. And that is super profound and super meaningful. And so it's, yeah, we, we need to run fitness businesses that are profitable, but the cool part is, I mean, we get to change people's lives along the way. So, uh, all right. So one of you have the, your four P's here. One of your P's is profits. How in yes. the world do you justify saying reimbursing 3000 people for a tattoo is driving <laughs> profits? Like, how do you calculate the ROI on that? Where do you go? Yeah, like, let's do it. Like, send us a picture and we're going to just, we're just going to pay for that. Like what, what, in what financial accounting class did they teach that? Say, yeah, that makes sense. 
You know, thankfully, I wasn't very good at the finance part of this growing up. I don't know. I mean, it's funny you use the term ROI, return on investment. And look, don't don't get me wrong. We have business optics on this that we have to we have to measure. But we also use a term here called ROEI, which is return on emotional investment. And I just believe that a business can do more than just make money. And so I, I don't really know how to measure it uh, other than the fact that, man, it, it's like currency for the soul, right? I mean, not everything important can be measured. And so, you know, I just know that we've literally changed a person's life. We've changed you know, tens or hundreds of thousands of people's lives, and we may never know that impact. But when our franchise owners put their head to their pillow at night and they go to sleep, man, it just it feels good to know that you stand for something that is meaningful in that community. At a time when, unfortunately, the world's getting to an unhealthier place, you know, our values are that, hey, we're going to help people right, get to their best selves. It may start with fitness. It may start with coaching. It may start with empathy. But and I guess that's just tough to measure other than, you know, that uh, it's, it's currency for the soul. It's the only way I can really, really state it, you know, that return on emotional investment. Hmm. So that, in other words, you just say the hell with it. We're just going to do it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, if someone says, "Hey, look, you've changed my life, and I want to put a tattoo of your brand on my skin, and I want to personalize it," I'm like, I will absolutely pay for that. Heck yeah! I mean, we got another five hundred grand. I hope three thousand more people get tattooed. I, I do that all day long. You know, we have a lot of listeners to this show, so you may get a, just a flood of people out there going like, yes, tattoos on Chuck. Um, well, wow. remember, it's, it's, all it's got to do is it's got to have something about the running man or purple running man, and, you know, if it's part of it, but they can personalize it any way they want. But we do want to hear a story. We want to see the photo and then send me that receipt and uh, we will reimburse. Yeah. So, so here's the part that's like kind of funny, right? And it's like, yeah, this makes no financial sense. Like, it doesn't make financial sense. And yet you guys are crushing it. You guys are, I mean, you're exploding. And, and I don't know, last time, I think last time I looked at the number. So anytime fitness was, was over like 3000 locations in 20 countries, is that, is it, is it more than that now? Yeah, so actually we early, sometime maybe in the first quarter of next year, we will surpass 4,000 units in 33 countries, you know, operating in 17 different languages on five continents. And I think we're one of only maybe 15 franchise brands to ever do that. And no one's done it in that amount of that speed, that, right, that amount of time. So we've probably likely done something no other franchise brand has ever done before. And, and again, we don't see any reason why we won't continue to add, you know, four to 500 stores a year here for the foreseeable future. So let's, so let's talk about profit since we're, since we're on that. Cause so the book is called Love Work. Uh, and it's really yep. about a culture, and then you've got these four P's: people, purpose, yep. profits, and play. So, um, it, it, what is what is your, what is your philosophy towards profits? Then, um, is it is it is it you know like is it all based on just hey whatever whatever we feel is like the right thing or like give me give me your take on that. No, I mean, look, it is the financial lifeblood of a business, and this was written specifically for those who are involved in a small to medium-sized business. And make no mistake, you have to have financial profits in your business. That is why we work. And, and the four Ps are a formula that have to be linked together, but we make very clear in the book that if you take out profits, the other three cannot sustain themselves, right? Where if you take out, say, purpose, you can still have a sustainable company with, like, people – 
profits and play. But I mean, again, you have to make money in a business. And by the way, when you're making money, that provides opportunities for your team. You can reinvest in them and you can change more lives, which has more purpose and play. So, you know, financial, I mean, you have to, you have to perform, you have to make money. And so we talk about that and, you know, some of the, and by the way, the book, I hope like when people read it, they get a sense of empathy for just how tough it is and how much we admire those who, who own their own business. Um, and it tells some really some stories about how we made mistakes about when we were a smaller business, we just weren't very good at strategic planning. We weren't very good at budgeting and we weren't very focused in how we apply our resources. And, and I can tell you if after doing this now for 20 years and working with small businesses, most small, small businesses are not very good at strategic planning. They're just not very uh, uh, rigorous or disciplined in their financial planning. And if I could go back in time, I wish I could do that. So this book walks you through some of that and specifically how to do some of that for yeah, as being a small to medium-sized business. And but, but make no mistake, I mean, this you have to make money. You have to show profits to have a growing, successful business. And so, you know, that is the lens we operate from. We also talked about the currency of lifestyle. But, you know, a lot of it's focused on knowing your numbers, knowing your strategy, and making sure that your business is improving and growing. Mm-hmm. So talk to me about purpose, because you, 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 you mentioned that, and it's like, you know, it's kind of like one of, the, one of the buzzwords of our time is start with why and purpose. Mm-hmm. And, of course. Uh, 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 you know, like the, but you're saying, you're saying that a company can sort of operate without purpose, but, but how do you how does a company find its purpose or where does that come from or how do you bring that about? Yeah. So in the book, we talk about like, you know, what if you sell widgets, right? What if you're not in the fitness space like we are? We give you some tips on how to find your purpose and how to elevate it within your company amongst all of your stakeholders. So we're very explicit in that. But I got to tell you, you know, I remember I've been in the fitness industry beyond almost 30 years now. And in my early years, I didn't use purpose. I didn't really understand how it would move people, how it would amplify their performance. And then I learned it with Anytime Fitness, and the book gives you some moments on when, like, I had this epiphany. And I started to see the difference on how it, like, really deeply stirs people from the inside and, like, you know, takes them to another level when it comes to, you know, working a little bit harder, asking an extra question, I mean, going the extra mile on behalf of the, the consumer. And so, you know, if you think just in, in basic terms of, you know, IQ, you know, using your head and then what I like to call heart power and brain power. You know, you've combined those two. And so I really want to make sure that our team has their heart into this initiative, not just their brain into this initiative. And when they put those two things together, I'm telling you, it really uh, amplifies the performance of a team, of individuals. And, and I can just see it in their eyes. And uh, so, you know, and, and the facts are, right, millennials specifically, would rather work for a company they believe in and earn less than work for a company they don't believe in and work more. And our industry, you know, employs a considerable amount of of millennials. So it's important to them that they have values and they can align with what the company stands for. And so, and, but I I actually start, I think this is every generation now is kind of aligning to that. But if you do employ millennials, I mean, they care about more about purpose than maybe uh, previous generations. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so to me, it just and, comes down to performance. So it's, it's, there's like, an, I call it the economics of purpose. It's, you know, people, I mean, they will get out of, they would jump out of bed on a Monday morning ready to tackle that problem because they believe in the mission. They believe in what the company stands for. And it's just, it's combining your heart power with your brain power. So, how, and like, I mean, what are some of the things that you do to get people to buy into that? I mean, obviously, there's a long way. There's a, there's a big gap from saying, hey, purpose matters to us 
and somebody going, yeah, right, to going, yeah, I'm going to get a tattoo of the running, you know, the running man on me. So, like, what are some things as a leader that you think you guys do that help sort of cultivate that sense of purpose, you know, yeah, we, in the team? One of, yeah, one of my favorite movies is It's a Wonderful Life with George Bailey. And we talk, you know, George Bailey, if you remember, gets a chance to see what would have happened if he was, had never been born, right? How would his town and the people around him been impacted? And so we use that as one of the examples in the book is what if your company had never existed, right? Who would be impacted? Whether it be providing jobs to some of your employees or whether it's the, mm-hmm. the value of your products and services and how they're making your, your consumers' lives better. And so start with, if our business didn't exist, who would be impacted? And then once you start to see, hey, look, yeah, we are doing something that provides value to people, now you've got to find a way to tell that story. And so we do that in our internal meetings. We actually invest in some videos to, you know, share how we've impacted our franchise owners, impacted our members. Um, and so, you know, it's just, I think a CEO has to be in part a storyteller of how the brand impacts the world, right? How, what the service and product we provide, how it enriches people's lives. And so we just frequently do that in various forms of, of medium, whether it is, um, you know, written, whether it's oral storytelling at our meetings and all, all staff events and at our annual conferences, that's the signature moment when we invest in some very nice created videos to explain that, hey, we do more than just make money. We actually you know, impact people in, in profound ways. And so, you know, once you find out how you do it, now you got to invest in some storytelling. Huh. And, and, you think and by the way, the in, 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 it, it's, it's so easy to identify with a cause. I mean, that's another thing. If, if you just make something like shoelaces, right, it doesn't seem like it's that uh, romantic or that, uh, that sexy or life-changing. But guess what? Any company can go out there and find a cause to identify with. There are so many, you know, big or micro causes in your community. Find one. You know, you can have your company devote a little bit of time, a little bit of resource, a little bit of money. You can host, uh, uh, host some fundraising events. You know, galvanize your team around a cause. I mean, that's another idea shared in the book. It does not have to be a direct link like we are to health. You know, if you make something that's a, a bit more obscure, there's still no excuse why you can't infuse some purpose into your company by saying, hey, this is what we stand for, and we want to help this, you know, this cause or this group of people. Not to suggest that those of you that are in the shoelace-making business aren't important <laughs> in the world. Um, <laughs> uh, for, those, yeah, so, for those who make shoelaces, I apologize. And you're 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 saying you're saying that this this storytelling this purpose casting this like gathering the this, the 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 intel on lives that have been changed they're saying that's one of the most important roles of like you know the CEO. I really do. Um, I mean, the CEO has to be the one, or you know, the senior leadership team. It's about look. Here's the values of our organization. Here's what we stand for. Here's the impact that we have. And in our strategic meetings, I mean, we will mix some of these purpose stories to say, look, if we do X, we will get Y. Like, we'll get this financial return. But let's also talk about the, you know, what's going to happen to the franchise owner, what's going to happen to our employees, what's going to happen to our our members. We talk in in sometimes the emotional terms and and sometimes in what's very difficult to measure. And we talk about that because, again, our team cares about more than just reporting a profit. And so, yes, I do think it's important to get buy-in. It's got to be top-down. And uh, I think the CEO has to mention it in um, whether it's a state of the union to the team, whether it's, you know, to the network. But I think it has to be part of uh, the storytelling that goes on frequently. Mm-hmm. And I, I even do it in social media, whether it is through Twitter or through Instagram um, or through our internal dashboards. 
I mean, I'm always trying to put out there, you know, here's what we do, here's what we stand for, and uh, here's how we're going to improve people's lives. Hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just taking notes on that. These are the action items for, for me as I'm working through these. Um, so uh, just let's talk about play. Uh, we're not going to have time, I think, to get through all the, I mean, we're just barely scratching the surface. I'm just looking at the clock going, holy moly, like we're, we need to be wrapping this thing up. I'm like, I'm just getting started. So play is you got people, purpose, profits, and play. And you're, yep. you've, you got play as a centerpiece of your culture. And, um, you know, I know that you guys, I know that you work hard and I know yep. that you, you value that tremendously and you don't get to be a, you know, billion dollar brand without having people work their butts off. Um, so talk to me about the balance of work and play. Like how do those, co- how do they coexist? Yeah. I think it is a balance. I think it's the one big aspect that most leaders really struggle with because they, you know, they're serious, right? They want to get serious work done. And so in the book, we talk about there is science behind play in the workplace and how it fosters collaboration and creativity and alleviate stress. And we use terms like let's take the work seriously without taking ourselves seriously. And, and that makes us more approachable, which gives us better relationships with our, with our franchisees. But, you know, even in our meetings, right, we can be kind of playful, which allows us to, to be, you know, to be vulnerable and, like, put up ideas on the wall that may or may not work or seem foolish, but that may lead to another idea. Or I there's what I call that. you in a Spock costume. Like, you <laughs> this, we're on stage this, some deal, like, wearing a Captain Spock outfit. So, well, that's another thing. At our annual conference, I mean, you know, we put our money where our mouth is. We invest in, like, showing these values on stage. And so every year at our annual conference, we have these, you know, pretty well done videos that are parody. So we did a Star Trek parody. And yes, I was Spock. If you know me, it just kind of makes sense. And uh, Dave and my partner and I are always leading the way and try to be very self-deprecating, not taking ourselves too seriously, and just trying to have fun. I mean, we, the, the, the simple fact is this. We spend over half our waking hours at work. We do this more than we sleep. We spend more time here than we do with our friends and family. And I, I just think we should have a little bit more fun. Uh, it doesn't mean we don't take the work seriously. But, you know, seven out of ten people drive to work, like, disenchanted with what they're doing. They're emotionally neutral or they hate their work. That's according to Gallup, and that has not moved in, like, 20 years. Seven out of ten people hate their work. I'm like, that to me seems like a miserable existence. I want to drive to work. It's something I'm going to devote over half my waking hours to at something I enjoy with people I enjoy and something I, I stand for. And so I got to have fun. And, uh, you know, I'm telling you, there is, you, you can, there's a science behind it. It is another one of the four P's that just elevates your team's performance. And I know leaders have a tough time, like, embracing it. But if, but if you read the book, it has ideas in there. It's got tips in there. It's got some stories in there. And it has the data and science to show that play in the workplace makes sense. Interesting. Um, all right, I have one more question for you. So before that, where do you where should people go, Chuck, if you know, if they want to connect with you or you know learn about the book or whatever? You know, I'm available on Twitter and on Instagram. At uh, Chuck Runyon is uh, is my handle, and they can of course direct mail me or direct message me through any of those platforms. They can get the book on Amazon. It is just simply Love Work, one word there, by Chuck Runyon and uh, Dave Mortensen. They can just search that. And uh, by the way, there are still some purple tickets out there. So for anyone who's listening to this. 
if you order a book on Amazon, when you get that book, look inside. There may be a purple ticket, just like the, the Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And if you receive that mm-hmm. purple ticket, you get a special invitation to a two-day Love Work Summit in Minnesota. We've got some great speakers, and we're really going to talk about people, purpose, profits, play, not just in your work life, but also in your personal life, because it has really has become a compass for me. I just, just don't want to work at the center of those four Ps. I want to live there, too. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, uh, your last thing, if somebody is, is listening, okay, and, and let's say, let's say they are a medium sized business owner or big business owner or even small business owner or whatever. Yeah. And they're going, we are a long, long way from a culture uh, where people are getting tattoos. As a matter of fact, as I sit here and hear the statistic from Gallup that seven out of 10 people, I'm realizing that my team is probably a part of that seven. And yep. we do not have this. This is not we're, we're, we don't have this kind of thing going. What's the very yep. first thing you would tell them? You'd say, hey, you know, this is this the first thing you can do that will start to move the needle on restoring the health of your culture. Um, be very transparent. Be very vulnerable and, and get your team like just simply go sit with them, ask them questions and say, hey, I would love to improve the workplace culture here. I think we all would, right? We all want a better place to work. How can we do that? I mean, just your team is eager to give great ideas and to give perspectives, and they want a great workplace environment too. They really do. And so this is not just all dependent on the leader, right? Just simply go to them and say, I don't have all the answers, but let's make a goal here in the next year to have a great workplace environment that's all about high performance, it can also be about more. It can be we can have some fun along the way, and we can we can impact some people. How can we do that together? So I think if you really bring the team in and they all buy in and they can all weigh in, man, you get you suddenly got the whole team aligned to like making this a great place. I really really love that, um, Chuck Runyon, my friends, uh, CEO of Self Esteem Brands, which is Anytime Fitness and Waxing the City. The book is called Love work you can check it out and uh chuck man thanks for being an innovator and for advancing the 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 currency of the soul i think uh that's that's a role that is important in the world and knowing that somebody like you is out there championing it that uh you know the return on on emotional investment and the currency for the soul i I really appreciate it man rory it's been a pleasure thank you very much I never would have thought that we would be talking about getting tattoos as a form of business advantage here on the Action Catalyst podcast. <laughs> what uh, what an interesting and fascinating story about culture. And look, you know, I don't know if you picked this up, but this is a, a billion dollar company that you're, you're talking about started in 2012. It's growing very, very fast. And so some of these ideas strike me as like, wow, pretty radical but hard to argue with the results and and chuck is just an amazing guy and getting to hear him sort of talk about that and and really live it i'll I'll tell you the probably the the biggest takeaways for me personally was this this concept of return on emotional investment i think that's so cool it's it's taking a financial concept and it's applying it through the lens of the long term but through what would normally be a non-empirical, you know, kind of a non-measurable in terms of emotions and the emotional buy-in. But the this is a great example of how when we say ultra performers think differently, 
Chuck would definitely fall into this category of an ultra performer. And what he and his team have done is, is really incredible and, and really rare. And to hear him kind of put a, a concept together like that is a great demonstration of what we mean, where we say, look, most, most CEOs would make a decision strictly financially. Like, does this make sense in the short term? But the significance calculation is all about thinking not about today, but about tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. And while it, there's maybe some decisions in a business that don't make sense in the short term. You go, how do we get ROI off of reimbursing people for their tattoos? When you make the significance calculation, at least in his case, based on what their business model is and their strategy and all their other costs and things and all the other factors that factor into it. And he's able to say, well, look, there's an emotional return here. There is a, a non there's a non-measurable that we think is really converts to a measurable. And so it's, it's worth us, worth it to us. So it's both an example. It's both an inspiring concept to me, this idea of going, not just, uh, not just evaluating every decision from a purely financial standpoint, which is very rare for a CEO, especially if CEO of a billion dollar company, that is unusual to, to, to hear them talk about, you know, the, it's not just about making more money. There's there's these other impacts. So that I think is inspiring and and sort of interesting and educational. But then also even the fact that he has created a concept like this to me, as I said, is a great demonstration of how multipliers, ultra performers are factoring in the long term. They're not just thinking about here and now today, they're thinking about tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And that is perhaps the single greatest difference from them versus everybody else. And and return on emotional investment, ROEI, is, is a great example of that. And even, you know, he coupled it with the phrase currency of the soul. I think that is cool because again, there's sort of this dichotomy of this very black and white, empirical, measurable concept of currency with the somewhat abstract, more difficult to measure concept and consideration of the soul. And you obviously you can tell when he talks about it, he really believes it and he buys in and, and obviously everybody else does too. And that's what's making the difference. So we're going to talk about that in a second. The other thing that was sort of surprising to me for whatever reason was just hearing his emphasis on the role of a CEO to tell the story of an organization and to be talking about the transformation that you provide. And he did clarify and not say just the CEO, but the senior leaders. And that that is kind of like a core, almost like an income producing activity that as a senior leader, you have to be telling the story of the transformation you provide. You have to be talking about the impact that you're making. And I don't think most CEOs or senior business leaders would would really think of that as a part of their role. Certainly not something I would think was not something I was taught in grad school and not something that I've ever really heard that much talked about in, I guess, sort of the literary works of our time, the business writings and so forth. So that's that's sort of an interesting, again, an interesting take from somebody sort of sort of out, outside of the realm of, of what you might always hear. Um, if you want to say hi to Chuck, tweet at him at Chuck Runyon and just say hello. Let him know you heard heard him here on the show. That helps helps them know that people are listening and helps us get great guests. Um, what I wanted to boil down for you was sort of dovetailing off what talk, Chuck was talking about. And I want to introduce to you a new word. 
And this is a word that I really love. And it is a word that for the past couple years is something that has been living in my consciousness as we are scaling Southwestern Consulting and we're starting to impact more people and we're going global and we're now reaching international markets. And it's it's just a concept that I think is, is super powerful. Before I introduce the, the concept to you, I want to first take it back a notch to something he was talking about, which is your values, your purpose, your mission, uh, what we at Southwestern Consulting would call a creed. Chuck was referring to it at the very end when he said, get your team involved. Ask them, how are we doing? Get them, uh, you know, and be vulnerable with them and be transparent and be open to their ideas and ask them and include them, involve them and in saying, what kind of culture do we want to be? What do we want our company to stand for? How do we want to be known and thought of and recognized? Do that exercise with your team. Even if you have a great culture, every team has to sort of do that to create their creed or their, their values or their purpose and get them documented and, and codified in a way that they exist on paper so that you can then pass them and influence them and talk about them. And so that's sort of the first step. But the second step is the part that I, I really want to talk about. And this is this is my word. This is like one of my favorite words. And I don't think it's a word that I've really highlighted here on the show for you. And we throw it around some at Southwestern Consulting. I think it's something that we do, but we, we haven't always really put a word to it. And uh, are you ready for the word? This is a great word. I just love, I love this word. And, and I hope that you love it too. So here it is. The word is operationalize. Operationalize. This is, this is one of my favorite words now, operationalize. So what is operationalize? Operationalize to me means to manifest an ideal into a mechanism inside of your business. To operationalize is to manifest an ideal into a mechanism inside of your business. To, so you start with an ideal, this, this value, that's where the creed comes in, your purpose, your values, whatever you, whatever you want to call your mission statement. But these are the philosophies, the principles by which you operate. Okay, so you have these, they are ideals. And then what you have to do is you have to find a way to take that ideal, that concept, and make it come alive in your work. And I think that is something that Chuck is doing brilliantly. Look, the, the secret sauce is to not suddenly go out and reimburse everybody to get tattoos of your business, of your logo, right? Now, Maybe, maybe that is something you could do, but it's, it's not so much about the practice as it is about the philosophy of what's happening. They are taking a set of values. They're, they're taking, and to them, culture is, is huge. You even, you know, the book is that they wrote Love Work. It's all about culture and culture is sort of king. And that is a big part of their focus. So what they've done is they've taken that value and they have operationalized it. They have created a mechanism for reinforcing that value, for manifesting that ideal, for making it 
real. And this is the place where most companies and leaders miss the mark. I mean, most companies don't even have their values in their creed. And if they do have them, they haven't looked at them. Nobody knows them. They don't even even read, you know, look at them or refer to them. And sort of, you know, step one is have the creed conversation, go through that exercise or bring someone from our in, our team in. We can facilitate it for you. You know, whatever you got to do, get them those ideals codified on a piece of paper. Then sort of stage two is to refer to it regularly and how you have to incorporate those as part of the culture. You have to remind people of them. And there's all sorts of different ways you you can do that, right? You can create awards. Um, well, actually, that would be more of an example of operationalized. But I think you would you can have your your values up on a wall. You can give them to people when they're interviewing. You can refer to them when you make decisions. There's there's things like that. But the but the real level you want to get to is to operationalize them. The process of manifesting an ideal into a mechanism. The process of manifesting an ideal into a mechanism. In other words, making it become real, making it influence the day-to-day of your of your business. And one of the ones that I think about, and we've talked a lot about it on the show. In fact, last week we had um, one of my business partners, Dustin, he was on the show and I was interviewing him to sort of draw out some of, of his wisdom for you that I think is really relevant to everybody. And we were talking about how one of our ideals is being practitioners of what we preach. That is something that we have said at Southwestern Consulting from the very beginning that this is this is a defining part of what makes us different. We are we are teachers, coaches, speakers, consultants, trainers, second, right? We do that second. We are practitioners first, meaning everybody in our company, and since sales and leadership coaching is the, the core of our business, everything sort of funnels back into, you know, our ultimate goal is to get every single person in the business world to have their own private one-on-one coach. We think that will transform a business and will transform the world is engaging in one-on-one regular repeated conversations with your own coach. So that is what we're, we're driving, we're driving people towards. But part of our difference, our uniqueness, as we said, okay, if we're going to teach salespeople how to sell, then all of our coaches are going to be selling. They're not just going to be coaching. They have to sell. And if they don't sell, if they can't sell, or if they won't sell, then at some point, they are going to migrate towards departing from the culture, either either because we'll move them that direction or because they'll self-elect out because we are a sales culture, because we love sales. We teach sales. We believe in sales. We know sales. Sales is our history. And and that is what we do. And we, it doesn't mean if you can't sell, you're a bad person. It doesn't mean you can't work here. There's other roles that we have that people can, can migrate to. It just means that if you're going to teach salespeople how to sell, you have to be selling. We're not going to be a company where our sales coaches used to sell. Sold, you know, they were a top producer many, many years ago, and now they just they sit around and teach. That's that's just one of our core values. And so we had to operationalize that in several different ways. One is you know through accountability. One is through training. One is just through promoting it. But even on this podcast, 
so that applies also to leadership. So if you're going to be a leader in our company, there's certain things, you know, if you're teaching leadership and you're one of the people that goes out and, and you're, you're doing leadership coaching or you're doing consulting with organizations where we're, we're coaching the leaders, you have to be leading. You have to have a personal team that you have recruited, trained, built, motivated from the ground up that you are actively leading. It's not that, oh, I did that one time and now I'm a consultant and now I don't do that anymore. It's just not our culture. It's not our philosophy. Again, doesn't mean it's right or wrong. It's just, it's an example of how we have taken an ideal and we have operationalized it. We've taken an ideal and we've man we've manifested an ideal into a mechanism. So, um, oh, and I was going to say, even on this podcast, we bring practitioners on the show. We have lots of best-selling authors and lots of great thought leaders and stuff because they uh, they provide a tremendous amount of value. But if you notice, if you go look at all of our episodes, we also uh, bring you know my my business partners that are on the show. We all come on and different. You get to hear perspectives. Why they may not be as well recognized yet publicly in the media, but they're practitioners. That's their 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 full time job is not getting their ideas out. Their full time job is living ideas and and doing them. And so we hear from them. And we also this is something we started to do. I think this year, maybe last year, we bring on we we do these. Um, these life story segments where we bring on our actual customers so that you can hear from them. That is an example of an operationalizing this ideal that we promote practitioners. We want to be practitioners first and speakers, teachers, coaches second. And so that is, that's part of why we do that. All the only reason I say all that is to say that in order for purpose to come alive in an organization, in order for vision to become real, in order for a mission to be felt and lived by the people, as the leader, you have to find a way to operationalize those ideals. You have to find a way to manifest these concepts into mechanisms that are enforced in the daily practice of your business to where somebody would say, why do we do that that way? And you would say, the reason we do that that way is because right over here on this piece of paper where we all got around the table and we said, this is what we believe in. This is who we are. This is what we stand for. It says right here on this piece of paper. And so that is why we do business in the in that exact way. That is putting your money where your mouth is. That is being a leader. That is making the abstract vision become real. That is operationalizing. So my invitation for you this week is to dig out your old creed, your own your old mission, your old purpose statement and and begin to operationalize it with your team and also your personal mission statement in your own life. We'll catch you next time. Well, that about wraps up the Action Catalyst podcast for this week. If you haven't yet, please log in to whatever your favorite medium is to listen to the show 
and both rate this podcast and leave a comment as that helps new prospective listeners determine if the show's really a good fit for them. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and screenshot this episode to share with your friends on social media. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst and subscribe to our video podcast on YouTube. Thanks for listening.